0: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow, what a day to be in the house of the Lord on a brand new year as we move into 2020. We're moving in with worship, we're moving in with praise, we're moving in with surrender, and we're seeing Jesus reigning and ruling over our hearts and our lives and our families and our world, and we can't praise Him enough. Come on, church, who agrees with that today? Listen to me. Listen, I know as we come into anything new, anything new, a new year is a chance to evaluate. It's a chance to examine. It's a chance to see, does something need to change? And that's always a challenging thing when we have to look in the mirror and go, it's, it's us that needs to change. There's something that we need to trust more and surrender over to. And so as we think about this new year, we've kind of titled the year, Flip the Script. And this idea of flipping the script means it's going to require something different from us. It's going to require a new posture, a new attitude, a new action. And are we willing to go where God's calling us to go? And just maybe today, somebody be honest and say, yeah, I do need to flip the script on some relationships in my life. Things need to get better. They need to change. Or maybe for you, it's flipping the script in the area of your own emotional health or your physical condition. What are you going to do different to get a different outcome? Or maybe it is flipping the script in the area of how you handle money or worse, how money handles you. Or maybe it's flipping the script on your future. But we're here at church. I want to share with you about something that affects every part of those aspects. And that's flipping the script in our faith. Moving with Jesus in faith alone. I believe God wants us to grow this year. He wants us to spiritually grow this year. Come on, are you with me? Hey, good morning, church. It is good to have you here in the house. Hey, Fredericksburg, man, God is up to something great today. And if you're watching us online, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mount Ararat during our series, Flip the Script. Come on, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And as you're turning to Matthew 5, I'm going to doubled down a little bit today. I, I was out of town this week. I, I got to suffer for Jesus in Southern California. I just found our next location for a new campus. God is calling me there. Listen, man, it was a great time away. How do you not like 60 degrees in January, right? Uh, Listen, it was just powerful being away. Pastor Jerry and I actually went to a World Vision conference. I can't wait to share with you some things that we're going to step out into as a church in the coming days with World Vision and what God is doing all around the world. Uh, But somebody had to do it this week, and I did it on our behalf, church. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But what if this year the change that's necessary is involved in character. Come on, you with me, Fredericksburg? Character's a hard one, but what if character is the very thing getting in the way of your ability to move forward? And so, if you thought you were gonna come to a warm and fuzzy message today, wrong service. It's a little heavier today in where God's taken us in scripture because this idea of character is how we act in our daily, or or better yet, how we react in our daily situations and what bumps up against our lives. And so this idea of character, I want us to to, to see what God will want for us. So I thought, let's just start off today with the pop quiz on character. And so here we go. Let's start off with just a few innocent areas of life to see how you act and how you react in these moments. Come on. Number one, what do you think when someone takes your parking spot? And maybe at work you got a designated spot, and that kind of gets to you. But maybe you just came out of Christmas season. You were at the mall, man. It was hours, right, trying to get into a park, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And as soon as the car pulls out, and you're about to go, somebody gets just right in there. What are you thinking? Come on, some of y'all, when y'all came to church today, and somebody got your spot. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? That's a character thing, right? Think about this one. Number two, how do you react to slow internet? First world problems, everybody. Come on, why won't it keep spinning? Come on, right? How do you react? Come on, number three, how do you handle a compliment? It's not a bad thing. How do you handle when somebody praises something about you? What do you do with that? Or let's flip it. How do you handle a critic? How do you handle a critic when they're your boss? How do you handle a critic when they're your coworker? Or they're a friend and they point something out. How do you handle it when it's a parent? How do you handle it when it's a teacher? Come on, students. How do we handle a critic? Number five, what do you tell yourself when you make a mistake? What's the inner monologue? What do you tell yourself when you step out of bounds and do something foolish or, or something damaging, right? Number six, oh, this is real spiritual. How do you react over an overfilled trash can? Come on, this is real application. You walk up at your house, the trash can't overflow. Do you go, oh, I'm gonna wait for somebody else to do that, right? <laughs> listen, listen, if you're a parent, do you start yelling, getting your kids in here? Teachable moment, right? What do you, how do you handle that? You, you just ignore it? I mean, what do you deal with, right? Here we go, number seven. How is your social media voice? Are you angry every time you're online? Are you inappropriate? And the things that you share? Come on. It's politics season. Are you political? Are you a person of rant? Or just a person that's funny? A person that's food? What what is your voice on social media? And then how do you react to everyone else's social media? Do you got to get the last word in? Come on. What is it? What is it? Here's the most spiritual thing. How do you return a shopping cart? (laughs) Says a whole lot about your character, Right? So even in this, just I know they're superficial, but I wanted to start there first because we're about to go to some deep places, and I want us to be ready for those. But I wonder if any of these superficial things are triggers. Would you admit that today? Come on, Pastor Andrew, would you admit that today? And in this idea of triggers, do you get defensive? Do you find yourself getting angry easy? Come on, what's the trigger? Are you the person that sulks and just gets quiet and pulls back? Are you the person that ghosts out and we don't hear from you for a while? How do you handle it? Do you respond in unloving ways when people do things that you feel like were slights against you? Come on, that says a whole lot about character. Listen to me. Flip the script is where we began in this. And as we look at Matthew 5, you're realizing already in this passage of Scripture, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived about 33 years on earth, and he preached his most famous sermon. It got recorded by Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the peak of Jesus' ministry, he's drawing literally hundreds and thousands of people to follow him. And on one particular day, he had his disciples, his 12, and they were walking around. And out of nowhere, this crowd comes out out of the way to follow him all the way to the hillside right outside of Capernaum. And on the northwestern shore of Galilee, there's this area that's still there all these years removed. And they believe that's where Jesus assembled this very crowd where he taught over a series of days together. It's now called, affectionately, the Hills of Beatitudes. Because in the front part of the Sermon on the Mount, you get these attitudes, these behaviors that God wants to birth in us. Now, before I start reading these these today to us... Let me share this with you. This is not just good moral teaching. This is just not just a code of ethics. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, wants to birth in your heart and my heart, in your life and my life, so that the world can see we're not of this world. And so it's this idea of what's being revealed in you. Now, in this right here, Before I even start reading God's word today, I I just feel convicted. There is so much that happens between one Sunday to the next. Isn't that crazy? When you just kind of watch what's happening. I felt like, you know what, we just need some intercession today. So at both campuses and even online, would you just bow your head and your heart with me? Can we just spend some time talking and listening to God for a minute here? And I'll be the voice of our prayer today. But let's just pray to the Lord real quick together. God, you tell us in the Psalms to be still and to know that you are God. And God, as we come out of worship this Sunday as last Sunday and the Sunday before, we are reminded that we live in a world that's hurting and broken. And sometimes the headline screams how lost and broken our world is and the pain that's real. Everything from these devastating fires all across Australia. God to think that millions and billions of dollars of damage, but not just that, lost environment, lost vegetation and even lost lives because of that. God, could this be the week those fires cease and stop and, and restoration could begin. And God right behind that, we heard about the earthquakes right here in Puerto Rico. And I know that we have families that are a part of Mount Ararat that have loved ones that are still living in Puerto Rico. And God, we know that they're not that far removed from hurricane and flooding. And now once again, they're facing challenges and trials with these earthquakes that are now caused physical damage. We pray, God, for the church to shine bright during these days and to bring hope to those who are hurting. Give us wisdom how to do that. And God, in the landscape of our world, we're now in a conflict again with Iran. And we know, God, a lot of our world is about good and evil, light and dark. And God, I know with politics it's hard sometimes to even talk about these things in the setting of the church. But you told us in Scripture to pray for leaders, to pray for our president, to pray for those men and women at the top that are having to make decisions that affect human life around the world. God, would you find us faithful today in praying? God, we pray for servicemen and women, especially those serving internationally right now. And some of these men and women are serving in these hard places and even the bombing that happened in Iraq last week. God, we pray for your watch care. Because we know, God, America is playing a role in the world. And God, I pray that our Christian foundation would show up in these days of uncertainty. God, help us to want to be people of good news. I pray, God, as we open our hearts to your word as we think about the headlines of our world it is too tempting to turn inward it's too tempting to shut down it's too tempting to, to be overwhelmed and to think there's no hope there's it's useless but god as people of faith we just don't believe that and today we didn't want to come practice religion this morning god we wanted to have a holy encounter with you the living god and we want to hear words that jesus you preached 2,000 years ago that are maybe more relevant today than ever before. So would you open our lives up, whether we call ourselves Christian or not this morning, would you open our hearts up to your voice so that we might bend our will toward you. Speak, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. And amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 says Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and as he began to teach, he said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth." "'Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. "'Blessed are those merciful, they shall be shown mercy. "'Blessed are the pure in heart, for they they will see God. "'Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God.'" Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Come on. Today we're going to look at another beatitude. Last week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit. Today we're going to look at blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Matter of fact, let's just, let's just read this out loud together. Come on. Both campuses. Say it with me. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Come on. Say it again. Blessed are those who for they shall be comforted. One last time. Blessed are those who, for they shall be. Come on, week 2 word. We you memorized two verses here. Isn't that powerful? I want to unpack this today for us so God can speak through his scripture today. And as we lean in here today, I believe God wants to flip the script. And here's what he does oftentimes. I love this about Jesus. He seemingly takes two opposite ideas and he puts them together. So what does he do? He takes the word blessing. And he takes the word mourning and he puts them together. Now, does blessing and mourning sound like the same word? It sounds like the opposite effect. But when you put them together, it results in comfort. Isn't that interesting? So if you're a note taker, let me give you these words in the original language. I want you to see this word played out. The word blessing comes from a word called makarios. It means blessing or to be happy. It's not circumstantial. It's bigger. It's joyful joyful no matter what's happening in our world. But mourning, right next to that, is the word called pentheos. It means to lament. It means to experience sorrow. And then when you put these thoughts together, it's going to bring to us this word of comfort. The word comfort is the word parakaleo. Kaleo means to call. That's what it literally means. It means to call someone to your side to console you, to encourage you, and define the comfort that could be yours. Interesting enough, every time the word Holy Spirit's used, it talks about the Holy Spirit being what? A comforter, Parakaleo. It uses the same word about comfort. Now, why would, why would this make sense to take mourning and combine it with blessing? Why is Jesus trying to show us that there is a relationship between joy and between sorrow? Because see, sometimes we miss the connection here, and he's wanting us to see and experience something here. And just like that, that silly quiz, and just like the Beatitudes, they reveal something about us. They reveal something about our character. They're revealing what God wants for us, whether we're living in a faithful way or not. And so today, I want us to see some things together. Now, I often heard it this way. Let me give you a quote uh, If you want to find out about a person's character, find out what makes them laugh and what makes them cry. Isn't that interesting? Because what we laugh and what we cry, it's going to show some value there about us. Some of you right now are going, okay, what did I watch lately and laugh at? You're thinking about that. But listen, what we laugh at, what we cry at starts to show what's important. You see, sorrow, though, comes to everyone It don't matter if you're here today and say, I'm a Christian, or I'm here today and go, I'm not a Christian. Listen, it doesn't matter. We all are going to experience sorrow in this world. Come on, I don't have to convince anybody of that, do I? And this idea of sorrow is real for all of us. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor or young or old. We all will experience a natural part of this world, and it will bring sorrow at times. Now, as we think about the sorrow of this world... I want you to even hear how King Solomon talked about it. King Solomon in the Old Testament, one of the wisest men, he says this. There's a time for everything in every season, right? Season of activity under heaven. He says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And then he goes on to say there's a time to what? To weep and a time to laugh. When God created the first man, Adam, he gave him the ability to weep. He did this before he ever sinned. Why do I say that? Because weeping is not a sin. Do You all know that, right? It's part of how we've been made. Actually, on the contrary, it's a gift from God. I like this when secular doctors and psychologists will give evidence to scripture. They'll even say this, that mourning is actually something happens within us that, that it, he can heal the broken hearts within us. You see, a natural sorrow expresses mourning and it releases a healing process in people's lives that enables them to start to accept the pain and to begin to work through whatever they're having to work through and to face the crisis and to handle it with maturity. But can I tell you this, the flip also? If pain is kept inside of us, it can be damaging to our lives. Come on, somebody knows that one firsthand, don't you? When we hold it inside, it can actually poison us in the emotional system in our life, just like an infection can spread through the bloodstream. And it's holding back what needs to be released. You see, some people, though, in our culture, thinks that weeping is for sissies, right? Right? That weeping is, is a sign of weakness. Can I tell you what's a sign of weakness? Self-pity. Isn't that true? Weeping's not a sign of weakness. matter of fact, the greatest man that walked the planet of the earth, Jesus, the Son of God, it's recorded that at times he wept, right? Do you remember that? Come on, come on, just a few moments. Come on, help me out, somebody. Remember when he went to Lazarus' tomb? He felt what Mary and Martha were feeling. What did he do? It said that Jesus wept. Come on, that's the third verse to memorize right there. Jesus Congratulations, you're welcome, right? And there's another time where he came up on Jerusalem, and he just stopped and he wept for the lostness of Jerusalem. Then there's the time in the garden. Remember that one? Wrestled in prayer, cried out to God, and he wept for the lostness of humanity. You see, Jesus, if he's going to cry, it's going to give us permission to see that mourning is something that's a part of our life because we live in this world. And listen to this. Mourning enables us to remember what has been lost and to use those memories constructively. Say this with me, both of Say say mind. Mind. Say heart. Heart. Say will. will. Do you know that the mind and the heart and the will are all used when we mourn in the right way? I want us to see the connection here because oftentimes this is where we get stuck when we get lost in what we're experiencing. Now, last week I shared about the devotional Bible, the message, and how Eugene Peterson, he's such a writer and a poet, and he kind of gives colorful language to God's truth to kind of illustrate it. Well, as he took that same passage, Matthew 5, verse 4, I like what he wrote (coughs) about this verse. He says it this way. He says, you are blessed When you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Isn't that interesting? And then he says, only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. This idea of mourning being a good thing. So, both campuses, here's what we need to do. What should we mourn about? That's really the the deeper question right here today. What should we mourn about? Now, the easy one is to say what? You mourn when you lost a loved one, right? We all get that one. I wonder here on both campuses, because we're a family, how many of you lost a loved one in the last 12 months of your life? A lot of hands up. And I don't make light of that. Both campuses, come on, Fresh Prayer. I don't make light of that. Matter of fact, if your hand is up, I want you to say, I'm praying for you. Because I know this has been a difficult road to have to walk without that person in your life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, right? We believe this. We believe this. So what else should we mourn? Because that's not the only thing we should be mourning. How many of you realize we ought to mourn a lost relationship? When we lose a relationship, whether it's friendship, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a marriage and it's now a divorce, did you take time to mourn? Listen, there's a loss there that you cannot get away from. You cannot ignore. But oftentimes we don't stop long enough to to do the inventory and to go to that painful place because we just what? We want to quickly move past the pain. How many of you lost a job? Come on, you know how much identity comes from what we do? When's the last time you felt the end of that job and went, wow, that hurt, that stung? Blessed are those who mourn. How many of you, you moved away from one church and maybe it's because you moved to a new community. But sometimes you stayed in the community and you went to another church. Listen, there's a mourning when you leave. People you've been doing life with. There is a a reality here that we've got to pay attention to. I know this is kind of a little bit heavy today, but let's stay with me here for a minute. Because not only should we mourn a loss, we also should mourn a change. Changes have a way of altering things in our life. Sometimes it's not a bad change. It's an ending you were doing something for a long period of time, and it ended, and it was a good ending. Everything was great, but guess what? It's over now, and you're like, wow, that feels weird not doing that anymore. The change is real. Maybe it is school. You know, you go to school all these years, and you finally graduate, and you're like, wow, that's weird. I've been doing that for so long. I know what I've been doing. Now I've got to do something different, right? It's a change. Maybe it's a graduation like college or, or some other finish line. That's a good thing, right? Did you take time to, to reflect back and go, huh, there's a loss now because I'm not doing that anymore? Maybe you did have to move. If any area likes to move, you guys like to move a lot, right? I've moved two times. I moved off to college, and then I moved way out here to the foreign land of Stafford, Virginia. I know, that's weird because people don't do that. I've lived here 17 years. Outside of the lifers, that's a long time here in Stafford, right? But you move. Guess what? Every time you move, there's what? There's an experience of loss. How did you handle the loss? Was it the right way or the wrong way? retiring that's a huge one and I know you're like oh take the job and shove it right it's over right no but but there's still something about the job being over it defines you it, it dictated your daily for a long period of time. you know how many men and women I meet that retire from military and still have another life to keep living and yet it's weird and they go like man I went through a trauma I didn't know I was going to go through where I was I was in a rank in a position where people respected it, and the next day I'm just a civilian that's hard. How do, Did you take time to mourn? You see, this is, this is part of us having the ability to lead in a way and realizing all of these transitions are transitions that we should pay attention to. Listen to me. Listen to me. When these things happen, it will always be tempting to turn inward. And when you turn inward, you can get stuck. And emotions always want to be the driver, and they always want to throw you in the back seat. But sometimes emotions want to throw you in the trunk and lock it, right? You ever been there? And yet, what you're feeling is real, and it can lead you to be emotional. It can lead you to be irrational. It can fill you with sadness. It can fill you with anger, right? And you can get stuck and paralyzed in fear if you're not careful. Listen, you may want to forget your troubles and ignore your problems and make an excuse. But when you do, it will lead you to self-destructive behavior. Jesus loves his disciples and loves the crowd enough to give them these words of truth. And here's what I want you to see. Sorrow can lead to selfishness. These losses can lead you to anger to revenge, and even blame. And then I think about holding on to that long enough, it becomes bitterness. Let me give you another quote. Holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Isn't that true? But how many things hold on to our lives? And I believe we hurt ourselves When we choose to not mourn in the right way. And we get stuck in the sorrow. And when we get stuck in the sorrow, it turns memories into punishment, right? And it starts to destroy our peace and our balance with God and what God wants for us. And it can lead us to anger and guilt and isolation. Isolation from reality and isolation from community that we desperately need to get through what we're walking through in these days. I've often heard it said, hurt people, hurt people, don't they? So how do we keep our hearts wide open to the one that loves us the most? You know, I was thinking about just the passage of Scripture and what it brings to our mind's eye, and I thought about this. I've been a Christian since I was 14 years old, and if you've been in our church, you know I retell my story a lot because two reasons why. Number one, the the psalmist tells us you ought to because it restores the joy of your salvation, right? Every time you tell your story about, oh, how God found you, rescued you, saved you, it's a good thing because you begin to realize my greatest identity is in Jesus. But the second reason I tell you is for witness. I like to show people that if God reached me, guess what? Good news, he's gonna reach you too. I just believe that. Let me tell you a little bit about my story again. For new, this will be new. For old, just be patient with your pastor for a minute here. Listen, I grew up in a divorced family like many of you. I don't even remember a day where my mom and dad were married and we were all together. I was too young. What I do remember about childhood is this. My mom was married to my stepdad, Jim, good man. And I had an older sister, Lisa, and I have a younger sister, Amber, and we all lived together in Irving. And what I do remember is in eighth grade, my mom and stepdad decided to get divorced. And it devastated me. It crushed me. I was lost in that decision that they made. But you know what I did? I turned inward, I got angry, and I pushed anyone and everyone away from my life because of what I felt I was walking through. Come on, does that sound familiar to anybody? And you know what I did? I wanted everybody to hurt just like I was hurting. I wanted everybody to feel what I was feeling because you know what hurt people hurt people, right? And I didn't know how to process it all. I was overwhelmed and all. So it just came out of me. It just came out of me. Listen, praise God for neighbors that saw me through the lens of Jesus And got past my angry outside. And they just kept loving me and being patient with me. And kept encouraging me, kept inviting me. You know what, that developed a trust that when they finally got me to go with them to church, I knew I could trust that invitation by them. And it wasn't long sitting in that setting, come on, just like this. That in my deepest, darkest hour, in my lostness, God showed up. God's good news came to me. Jesus became clear to me, and he awakened me from the dead. And what was lost was now found, and I began to become a new person in Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm sharing that because some of y'all today are lost in your sin, and God's trying to reach you today in this message. Now, here's some good news. Flash forward four years later. This is where it got meaningful to me because here's what I think the loss was for me. For me, my, dad, my biological dad lived out of state. My stepdad moved out when I was 14 years old. The only other consistent man in my life, father figure in my life, was my, my mom's dad, who we affectionately called Pop. Pop, my granddad, was stable for me. Matter of fact, when I became a Christ follower, man, he began to disciple me and encourage me and love me. And a strong man in my life. Well, guess what happened? My senior year, he got diagnosed with cancer. My senior year, He died. Some days are really vivid. That was one of those days. I remember I was sitting in a classroom. And come on, kids, this is pre-cell phone, right? Sitting in a classroom, I get called to go out of the classroom to go to the office. I'm thinking, everybody goes, ooh, when you walk out, right? And I get to the office, I'm like, why am I here? And they're like, oh, come over here. And they took me in the counselor office. I'm going, what's going on? And my mom showed up, and we walked in there, and she shared the news about my pop. And I remembered it because she said, hey, we gotta load up, we gotta go, we gotta go out to Dallas to go be with your nanny and we gotta go and start this. Well, here's why I'm sharing this. This is the first loved one I I had where I lost them physically to death. I'm telling you, now as a Christian, for the last four years of my life, for the first time, I'm learning what it means to mourn in a healthy way. That week, I had friends come out of the woodwork. I had neighbors. I had coaches and teachers. I had my church family all around me. And you know what? I was mourning the fact that I lost my pop, another man in my life I lost. But you know what? In the first way, the first moment, I'm now mourning in the right way. Because not only was I able to feel what I was feeling, I was able to celebrate what this man had meant in my life. At the funeral, I got to write some words that were actually read at his funeral that shared about the impact that he had upon my life. And here's what I look, as I was thinking about that, even all these years, you know what I started thinking about? I think I mourned something deeper than losing my granddad that day. I think I mourned in the right way. I went backwards in time and started mourning the divorces that had happened in my life. And all of a sudden, for the first time, I started realizing that in sorrow, you can find joy in sorrow you can be set free and for the first time i'm beginning to see this is what jesus meant when he said blessed are those who mourn for they're going to what be comforted in the right way was that for somebody today listen there's a verse that i've clung to it's found in psalms chapter 30 verse 5 it says for anger last for a moment but His favor lasts for a lifetime. Come on. Weeping may stay for the night, but good news, rejoicing comes in the morning. Is that not good? Let's flip the script, church. Let's flip the script. And this is where I'm about to upset my own message that I've preached so far. Now, listen, I don't think I've had bad application in what I'm sharing with you about the truth of God's character and his word. But can I just tell you right now, I kind of got sloppy with my theology real quick here. What do you mean, Pastor? If you read the Beatitudes right here, this is not talking about earthly sorrow right here. Did y'all pick up on that? Now, you might have missed it because in the Beatitudes, they're coupled. They're coupled together. Last week, we looked at the, the, come on, the Beatitudes, It said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Remember that? But you remember what poor in spirit was? Poor in spirit was when that person comes to a place in their life where they realize without Jesus, they're lost. Without Jesus, they're bankrupt. They're gone. But in Jesus... When we finally realized our lostness, we began to realize it's only Him that can bring us back to life again. It's only Him becoming Savior and Lord over us. That's where we came from. So it's in that lane that we come to the next verse that says, Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, for there they will be what? But what are we mourning? we're mourning what got us lost. Are y'all with me yet? We're mourning sin. Sin has been the condition. Sin has been the separation. Sin is what we've gotta mourn and what we've gotta be broken about. When people realize that, spiritual mourning is Jesus talking to the disciples on the hill about how to respond to sin. Now, here's where it gets confusing. Don't lose this. Don't miss this, Fredericksburg. This is where it gets confusing. We live in a culture that talks differently about sin. Jesus never had trouble calling sin, sin. But the culture, the world, you know what it wants to say about sin? Here's what it wants to say. It wants to say, oh, sin, sin is normal. Sin, oh, sin's okay. Sin, oh, it's acceptable now. Come on. Are y'all with me? Sin wants to normalize the very enemy that keeps you and I spiritually alive in Christ. Jesus said, blessed are those that realize they're lost and bankrupt without a right relationship with Jesus and Blessed are those who see the condition of sin and they hate it because of the destruction it's caused. Can I preach to somebody today? Because this tells me that sin's not normal, okay, and acceptable. It's damaging. And our enemy wants to keep us stuck in pain, stuck in shame, and stuck in loss. And his mission is to separate us from God. I want to ask you, do you hate sin? Do you hate the effect that it has had upon you? Do you affect, hate the effect it's had on other people in your life? Do you hate the fact that it broke God's heart? Oh God, may my heart break for what breaks your heart. Do I hate my sin enough to say, I don't want to be this anyway? Listen, do you know how to mourn your sin? Jesus, Jesus is always the answer for our lives, is he not? In the Bible, it talks about Jesus in the Old Testament. It calls him the man of what? The man of sorrows. Isn't that interesting? That that's the title Jesus is going to gain. That Jesus Face the cross knowing eternal sorrow would be placed upon him there. You want to talk about flip the script? Come on. How does Jesus, the man of sorrows, even look at the cross? How does he even describe something that horrific in his life? Well, the Hebrew writer records it this way in Hebrews chapter two, verse, chapter 12, verse 2. What does he say? He says, we ought to what? Fix our eyes on Jesus because he's our answer, right? He's the author and the pioneer of our faith. But he said, look at how Jesus looked at the cross. How did he describe it? For the what? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Is that not rich? That he looked at that horrible death sentence that he gained hanging on a cross with nails? He said, for the joy. For the joy. The man of sorrows is connecting it to the joy. Because what I'm about to accomplish there is going to be freeing for people in the future. There's something about what he wants, but the comfort's coming. It's coming. But the question is, come on, aren't you glad you came to church today? How do you deal with sin? How do you deal with sin? How do you deal with sin? Yeah, we're a church that talks about sin because it hurts us. It keeps us from what God wants for us. I'm about to lose my voice in this second service. Whoo, Jesus, help me. Jesus, take the wheel. Can I give you three reasons? Three responses, I should say, of how you and I can respond to sin today, whether we call ourselves Christian or not. Here's the first way you could respond to sin. You could respond with regret. Oh, man. How many of us today could say, I got some regrets? I wish I could hit the do-over button. Take that back. Take that word back. Take that action back. Take that relationship back. Take that decision. I wish I could do it again, right? Regret, what does regret do? It sits on the what? On the mind. It's the sin that attacks our minds, right? Regret. That could be your response today. I think about how many times people come in and out of church every week, and they don't experience the freedom that we're talking about because they're living in what? A seat of regret. And if you leave regret around for a while, it moves deeper into a place called remorse. Remorse is more dangerous because it doesn't just affect the mind. It begins to affect the what? The heart. The heart of the matter. Man, what's the things that you agonize over, you remorse over? The regret. The do over. If I could just go back. Listen, how do you respond to sin? Because what Jesus whispered that day on that hillside is more true today for us if we'll lean in. There's another way to respond. It's a faith word, it's a religious word. At times we only talk about it at church. It's the word called repent. And what makes repent powerful is when our sin affects the mind and the heart, and we turn, we turn our will, we surrender our will. To Jesus, to the one who can save us, to the one who can forgive us, to the one who can lead us. Repenting is saying I can't live like this anymore and it's realizing you need a Savior and a Lord. Can I tell you if you'll just have the desire to repent, Jesus will begin to give you the will to get there. He'll begin to do something in you that can begin to change. Come on, is character getting in the way of what you desire for 2020? Then guess what? You need to come with a posture towards sin and here's our posture Christians, repent, repent, repent. Come on, I I got any parents in the room today? Can I tell you how hard parenting is? Oh, man, do I know that. Hey, parents, can I tell you, you can, you can instruct your kids. You can inspire your kids. You can challenge your kids in their mind and their heart. But we're at their mercy when it comes to their will. Is that not true? Just when I think I'm in control, my kid does something, I'm going, oh, my word. Are you kidding me? And I love when you see your kid's sin and how clear it is and you don't see your sin as clear, right? And you realize there's a mind and a heart, but that will, ooh, that will, it's tricky, isn't it? And yet Jesus wants so much for his disciples. He wants so much for this crowd. He wants so much for us here in 2020 right here at the Mount. Come on. Even right now online, And he's trying to reach us with the truth of Scripture. And the question is, what are we going to do? Are we willing to surrender our will to him? The one who mourns their sins in Jesus will be comforted. There's a promise there. There's a promise there. Can I tell you, sorrow can lead us to joy. Sorrow can lead us to Jesus, and Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our way back. Jesus is our forgiveness of sin, and Jesus gives us the kingdom now. Jesus gives us the forefront of heaven in the future. We've got to see the joy that's found in the journey of our struggle right here, right now. And I want us to see this in Him, I'm going to invite our worship teams at both campuses to come back up. And again, we're given some space here for us to have some time to reflect on the personal sermon that God has given to you and to me. Yes, God preaches to me even as I preach. I do hear things that he shares. And, and I just want to ask again some questions from the scriptures to get us leaning in to this time of invite, this time of invitation. I want to ask the person today... Who feels lost right now in the struggle? Would you own that today? And maybe the lost is a loss that's happened to you, no matter what that loss is on that list or on, off that list. Maybe you're here today and it's not the loss, it's the change. It's the ending, it's the the thing that just kind of concluded and you're like, ah, I don't know what to do now and you're in that. Come on, don't push away, don't stuff it, don't ignore it, don't pretend it's not happening. Mourn. That's what God's calling us to do, is to mourn. But see, we're a culture that doesn't like to stop and pay attention to these things. It's just easier to be quick and just let's just move past, let me just forget about it, right? But can I tell you that forgetting about it It's crushing you, it's keeping you from what God wants for you. Maybe the question today is, is there's a sin issue right now. You know the sin. I don't have to call it out by name. The Holy Spirit right now is reminding you of what's keeping you from being fully alive in Christ. All I'm asking you today is, what are you gonna do with your mind? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with that heart? What are you gonna do with that will? What are you going to do with those thoughts? What are you going to do with those feelings? What are you going to do with that action or that desire? God is speaking today. I just believe it. God is speaking today to our church. We're, we want to flip the script, then we've got to take a step of faith. That's what God's calling us into. And So we're going to do something. We don't do a lot of Sundays, but I just feel God did it in first hour. And I said, you know what? God says do it again right now. Here it is. I'm gonna open up the altar at both campuses. And that always scares me at Fredericksburg because I know your altar's smaller in that room and you're thinking, oh, I don't wanna go, but listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I'm inviting the believer that is here today that's willing to say, I need to mourn in a new way. I need to flip the script on what I'm mourning. I don't care if it's a loss or it's a change. You know, you know God is speaking to you. Listen, is there something magical at the altar? No, but there's something meaningful when we're willing to get humble before a holy God and say, God, I, I need your help. God, I'm wrong. I need forgiveness. God, I, I just I just need to do it. And listen to me. I, I know this is already challenging. I love, thank you for obedience, already happening over here. And I can imagine, come on. French word. don't let me down. If God is speaking to you right now, right now in faith, move, get up, move, come to the altar. Come on, move, 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 move. If it's time to say, God, I'm not going to let this hold on to me and hold me back from 2020. I'm going to be in stride with you. I'm not going to be stuck any longer. I'm going to trust. The freedom that can be found in Jesus alone. I'm going to trust the rescue that could be mine in Jesus alone. I'm not going to repeat another year like last year. It's time to flip the script. Listen, some of you are like, I don't walk piles. I don't get on my knees. Listen to me. You don't, but that's what you always did. You might want to flip the script this year and do something different. Get humble, watch what God can use humility like we talked about last Sunday. Come on, move to the altar at Fredericksburg, move to the altar, Stafford. We're gonna sing one song together, but before we do, I wanna pray for us. Father, I thank you for how on time your word has been right now this morning to us. God, I just believe right now you have hit us below the belt And we're hearing some things that we've tried to stuff, that we tried to forget. And God, today, you want more for us. Thank you for being a God that's real, a God that speaks. God, from words that were recorded 2,000 years ago. And God, they're so on time right now, right here, right now. God, we give you the loss. We give you the change. We need you, Jesus, to save and to lead. But God, I'm convinced today there's one more decision that needs to be made. Somebody is here today that needs to begin a relationship with you. Somebody at Fredericksburg, right now, you're knocking on their heart. Somebody here in Stafford, you're speaking to them. Somebody right now online, and what they've realized is they're lost. They're separated from you and they need a relationship with Jesus today. Come on, wherever you're seated, if that is your decision, I'm gonna ask you in faith to pray some words to God, to believe some words to God, and today, experience salvation in Jesus alone. Who am I talking to right now? Better yet, who is God talking to right now? Listen to His voice. He's about to bring you to life. Come on, right there where you're seated in faith, say, God, you're speaking to me tell him that I hear you talking to my life today I need you say it this way I need Jesus I need his forgiveness I need his new heart I need his new life right here right now save me I am a sinner I need a savior now tell him this thank you God for saving me father God I thank you so much for new life that's found in you alone thank you God that you just breathed into somebody's soul and they just came to life by their surrendering their will to you you just made a new brother and sister in the faith God, I want to celebrate with my brand new brother and sister at Fredericksburg. I want to celebrate my brand new brother and sister right here at Stafford and even right now online. But God, I can't do that if they stay hidden and secretive. So I'm going to ask them to be bold in their faith. If they just prayed, if they just believed online, right now would you click that button and say, Pastor, that was me. That was me. Tell me that. Come on, right now. If you're in this room or at Fredericksburg, I'm gonna count to three. When I hit three, put your hand high in the air. Pastor, I just trusted Jesus to save me. That was me, that was me. Come on, one, two, three. Right now, right now high, right now high. Keep it up, come on, till we get to you. It's a brand new year. Praise God, keep it up. 2020 is gonna be different, why? Because Jesus just flipped the script. Move, come on prayer team. Jesus just flipped the script. Come on prayer team. Don't put your hand down at Fredericksburg till we get to you. Don't put your hand down here till we get to you. Now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one more song. Maybe you came with somebody you loved, a friend invited you, a family member's here. I'm gonna ask you to do something. As we sing this song and you just put your hand up, you just trust it and believe, I want you at Fredericksburg to walk to the back of the room. We wanna give you a Bible because there's nothing greater than having God's word in your life. If you're here as we sing this final song or as soon as this service is over, come right here to our prayer room, right here to my left. Listen, I wanna give you a copy of God's scripture because that's how you walk in it every single day. Come on. Father God, you have saved today. We praise your name, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, stand and sing. Let's sing together. Let's celebrate together.